0: everyone! This week I sat down with my dear friend Hannah Coons, and we just had the opportunity to talk about happiness and how sometimes that can be intimidating and really hard, but also very rewarding. And I hope you all enjoy this episode. Hey everyone! Today I am with my friend Hannah. It's Hannah Coons. She can introduce herself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm a sophomore at BYU. I'm studying physics. Yeah. Perfect. Um, okay, Hannah, another introductory question. Describe yourself in three words. Oh my goodness, like who I am or who I want to be? Uh, whatever you want. <laughs> um, I would say I'm very driven. Mm-hmm. I am passionate. And I would like to be kind Hannah is kind don't <laughs> let her fool you <laughs> okay I like this um and then what is a life motto or statement that you live by or mantra just courage there's a lot of scary things in life and if you have the courage to confront them lots of good things can happen I like that okay Hannah um do you want to share? your experience that you had with your mission? Sure, okay. yeah. It's a very broad statement, <laughs> but uh, I trust you. <laughs> yep. Um. So I loved my mission. I'm very glad that I served. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done by far. Um. I learned a lot about myself, and I learned a lot about God. Probably the hardest thing for me on a mission was feeling distant from God. I, um I really, really tried. <laughs> I studied a lot, and I prayed a lot, and I did my very, very, very best to be obedient. And for months on end, I just felt like heaven was silent, and like God had forgotten about me. And as a missionary, that's really hard, because you're supposed to like, be so spiritual and be an example, and... It was hard for me to get up every day and motivate myself without knowing if anyone or anything cared. Mm -hmm. What were some ways that you were able to overcome those feelings of being alone and not feeling that God cared? Um, My mission president always told me. He, He would talk to me and I'd say, President Donaldson, I feel like... Um, I, like, God has abandoned me. I don't know if I have a testimony. And he would say, well, Sister Coons, what do you know? He would have me list the things that I knew. And sometimes it was just, like, two things. And then he would say, that's your line in the sand. Do not cross that. And then the next time I would talk to him, he would say, what else do you know? And I would add a new thing and take a step forward and just never doubt those things. Mm -hmm. Um... But even more than that, I think I was realizing where a lot of those feelings came from. And the last, like, six months of my mission, I realized I was, like, really depressed. And, like, that was what was stopping me from feeling God in my life. Mm-hmm. Because the feelings of depression are pretty much exactly the opposite of how the Holy Ghost feels. The Holy Ghost brings feelings of peace and comfort and happiness and hope. And that's exactly the opposite of how you feel like emotionally and even physically when you're depressed. And so I I realized that there there was this barrier kind of blocking me from feeling the Holy Ghost. And once I dealt with that, I was able to like feel God in my life a lot more. Um, for people that have never dealt with a depressive period in their life, how were you able to, or how, I guess, how would you explain, like, how you recognized that it wasn't you that was, like, doing something wrong, but it was, like, the depression? Um, I went through a really stressful period, like, the, the middle six months of my mission. And then when I stopped having those assignments and those areas that were really hard for me, Suddenly, like, everything in my life was good. Everything was fine. Like, there, the weather was fine. I liked my companion. I liked my area. I didn't have all of this pressure. No one was, like, like watching me or forcing me to do anything. And so, by all accounts, everything should have been good. I was still so stressed. And I was talking to my mission president's wife. And she... She, like, asked me how my health was, and I was like, yeah, it's great, except I can't fall asleep at night because I stay up worrying that I'm going to stop breathing in the night and wake up with brain damage. And she said, Sister Coons, stop worrying about that. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's a thing people can do? Like, stop worrying? Um, And she said yes. And I said, maybe I need some help. So I started meeting with a, a therapist to help me stop worrying so much so that I could, like, sleep mm-hmm. and function. function. Yeah, yeah. And um, this therapist was like, oh, I'm so glad you talked to me when you did because you were headed down a real bad road. I am like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So that helped. Um, With kind of, like, the mindset that a lot of people have with mental health, was it easy for you to accept, like, the help that you needed? Or does that make sense? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, it was easy for me to go to a therapist and talk to her and mm-hmm. accept help from her, accept her suggestions, because it felt very contained. Like, I could still be independent and hardworking and strong and capable. And go to a doctor and take suggestions from a doctor. But it was really hard for me to accept help from the people around me. I told, like, one ward member that I was really close with, and obviously my companion and my mission president, but I didn't let anyone else know what was going on because I I didn't want the stigma, and Mm -hmm. I didn't want people to think I was weak. Um, Um... Have you changed since then? Oh, that <laughs> mindset, I guess. Here I am. That that's fair. <laughs> yes, she has, folks. <laughs> okay. What like changed in your mind to realize that like you weren't weak? That's a great question. <laughs> um it was when I was the weakest. Um, so I started meeting with this therapist and she helped a lot, but just because of like how deep and dark of a place I was in already. It just kept getting worse until it got to the point a couple months before I came home that I just couldn't do anything. I couldn't do missionary work. I couldn't function. Every time I sat down, I fell asleep. I just felt dark and hopeless all the time. And I was doing absolutely nothing like the bare minimum required to survive. And I really felt like God loved me. And like he was there. I, I didn't feel this overwhelming sense of like happiness or peace. But I felt like God was standing there next to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought like if this all-powerful perfect being is willing to just like stand next to me and be with me. then Maybe I'm not only what I do. Wow, that is some pretty powerful stuff right there, and probably some pretty powerful feelings that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that like you didn't have an overwhelming sense of happiness or peace. Do you like what? What is the difference between like peace and happiness to you, or is there a difference? Um, for me, because of these experiences that I've been through, I consider peace to be freedom from anxiety and mm-hmm. happiness to be freedom from depression. Okay. And I don't think that those are, are overarching definitions, mm-hmm. but that's kind of like a, a working model mm-hmm. for when things are hard, when I feel peace, it's because that burden is temporarily lifted mm-hmm. when I feel happiness. It's that burden. Okay. I really like that. Um, I haven't really talked with many people about like peace. It's mainly been about like happiness and contentment and joy. Mm-hmm. If like I were to throw joy in there, like where would you put that as well? Joy is just good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like that. Um, what are some things in your life that make you happy? Oh, lots of things. Mexican food, oh, the beach, Um, Hannah loves the beach. That's all I have to say. I literally love the beach so much. So much so that she'll burn herself. Terribly so because she won't wear sunscreen because she doesn't want to get out of the water. That is a true thing that happened. Twice. (laughs) Um, yes. (laughs) Um, I really like just like really fluffy dogs. Like really fluffy. Um. I have a picture to show you after then. Oh, good. Um. I like comfy pajamas and hot chocolate and Christmas lights, lots of stuff. Um, okay, I probably should have, like, prepped you for this question beforehand. <laughs> but as soon as you came in, I was like, oh, I want to ask Hannah. Cool. Hannah loves Harry Potter. That's true. Have there been examples of finding happiness through Harry Potter in your life or, like, examples that the characters portray? Of, like, choosing happiness. I don't know. I want to, like, try to throw on Harry Potter into this thing, because I feel like Hannah will be able to pull something out of it. Oh, absolutely. You ready? <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, my mission was really hard. Mm-hmm. Then I came home about a year ago, and I I felt better. Looking back now, I was still in a really dark place. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even last summer was really hard. Last semester was just the worst. And I thought I was gonna die. I was so sad. And I felt like I couldn't do anything. The same recurring feelings of, like, God doesn't care about me. He's abandoned me. Um, and a lot of just, like, mission PTSD. And so I was watching Harry Potter to feel better. This is the fifth movie. And Harry writes a letter to Sirius. And he's like, dear Sirius, um, despite being back at Hogwarts, I feel more alone than ever. I'm sure you can understand this feeling, um, but here I am. I don't know what to do. And then it cuts to this scene of him, like, walking out into the woods, and Luna is there, feeding the Thestrals. And they chat for a minute, and Luna says, uh, Luna tells Harry, like, if I was Voldemort, I would want you to feel alone and to feel like no one cares about you and no one's there for you because when you're on your own, you're not as much of a threat. And that just really hit me because, like, that's how I was feeling. I was like, okay, like, I'm home for my mission. I'm done with, like, this crappy stuff, and I'm back with all my friends. Like, things should be good, but I feel more alone than ever. Um, and like. That's how Voldemort would want you to feel. Wow. Yep. I knew she could do it. <laughs> I knew it. It's one of my best skills. <laughs> and I think that's, like, one of the hardest things with, like, depression or any hard trial that we have in our lives is that, like, we want to feed the feeling alone thoughts because that's all that we're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And we want to, like, oh well this is all I'm feeling, so I might as well keep feeling it more and more. But that's not the way to get better. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what I was gonna say after that, but <laughs> but no, I really agree with that. Um, to ask a few other questions. What do you turn to in hard times? So like on your mission and now. Um People usually. Mm-hmm. Um not necessarily to say like Hey, I'm so sad right now, come help me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not very inclined to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But if I, if I'm busy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or if I'm talking to someone, or if I'm like trying to help someone, then I feel less pain myself. Okay. Um, have you found that like you've been able to help people out of their painful situations by being with them as well? Oh, flip, I hope so. <laughs> I think you have. <laughs> um, okay, I haven't asked this question to anyone yet, but you lived abroad, yes. so I was like reading an article that Americans are like one of the countries that are most focused on happiness, and other countries aren't really like like they're happy people, but they're not like I need to be happy. Why do you think that? Why do you think that is? I think it's been commercialized and almost weaponized. Okay. Um, someone over the summer made this comment that um we have turned happiness into a weapon to use against ourselves, like a a club to beat ourselves up if we don't meet this ideal. Mm-hmm. I think in this like kind of changing society, there have been different like values emphasized, and just like American culture says. That if you're doing things right, you will be happy. If you're mm-hmm. working hard enough, you will be happy. If you're good enough, you will be happy. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not happy, it means you're not good enough or you're not working hard enough or you're not enough. Okay. Wow. That makes a lot of sense now that you've said that. How do you think that like we can get out of that rut or that endless file, Like, I don't have a job, therefore I can't go to school. But if I don't go to school, I can't get a good job. And then I'll have mm-hmm. the money. Yeah. Um. This isn't a very broad solution, but in specific cases, it really does help um, setting clear goals, mm-hmm. um, planning out like this is what I want to accomplish. And if I do these things, then that is success. And that might be today I will brush my teeth. It might be today I will answer an email. It might be today I will finish this project that I've been working on. It could be anything, big or small, as long as it's like specific and something that you can reach. Um it kind of relieves the pressure of it needing to be all things to all people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you think that like people can like know and engage themselves to be able to set these goals? Because somebody could want to achieve. 10 different things in a day but they're only able to do one like at what point do you think that we have to like step back and realize that we can't accomplish everything be honest with yourself really like I think it's typically pretty clear like you know what you can do you know what you hope to do and what you could do if you like stretch yourself and you know what you should do and you're just not going to be able to do it but if you like stay within the realm of like I know 100% I can do this thing today. Um, and if you don't know, start smaller. Say, Today I will brush my teeth. And then if you do that, that's success for the day. Instead of having these goals like, Today I will be happy. Today I will feel peace. Today I will finish everything I need to finish because you're just not going to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Have you been able, or have you had to do that for yourself? Oh yeah. And have you seen like a noticeable change in like your attitude towards accomplishing certain tasks by setting goals that are reasonable? Yeah, for sure. Especially because it takes off the pressure of all the things that I don't do. It changes my focus. Um, I saw this image once. You just said focus and it reminded me of it. And I, like, sometimes wish that this was a visual thing because people (laughs) could see what I was, like, drawing. But it had a bunch of circles, like, -hmm. forever. And then in the middle, it just said happy. And then the it said focus on happy. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we feel like we're way out here outside the circle and, like, we want to be able to be here in the circle. But it's, like, through those little tasks, like you said, Mm -hmm. that kind of get us to be where we want to be. It's truly through the little things. <laughs> yep. Um. There's a few more questions, and then I will let you be. <laughs> um. What factors do you think contribute to someone's happiness or your own? I think you're happy if you are currently doing what you want to be doing. So if you're not happy, change what you're doing or change what you want. I like that. Be an agent to act for yourself and Mm -hmm. do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I have this quote. It's my weekly quote in my planner, actually, from last week. And I just want your opinion on it. Mm -hmm. It's from George Sand. It says, there is only one happiness in life, to love and to be loved. What does that quote mean to you? that's a really scary thing and it doesn't sound scary, but it kind of is. Mm -hmm. Um, Loving someone is a very vulnerable act and allowing yourself to be loved is also very vulnerable because if you want to feel loved for who you are, not for who you pretend to be, but that means someone has to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it can be hard to get to that point. Um, and so I think sometimes we sabotage our own happiness by, um, not giving love when we feel it and not accepting love when we want it. I don't know if that's what you're looking for. No, I guess that's perfect. Sometimes you're just so deep I have no responses. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good thing. Um I guess lastly, who or what inspires you like daily or in a broader scheme and, and why? Um can I say Jesus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I think um future Hannah. Future Hannah. Yeah. There there's a lot that I want to become. Mm-hmm. a lot I want to accomplish, and um, when I'm left to my own devices, when I'm left to myself to think this is who I want to be and this is like why I want to be that person, it can feel really overwhelming. Like, wow, I have so far to go. I have so much to do. I have so many flaws and um, I, I just can't seem to shake these bad habits. Um, but to know, like I said earlier, just to know that this perfect, divine, infinite being would love me and be with me along the way, um, that gives me the courage to press forward. I like that. Sometimes I feel like we focus too much on our future selves, and we do get too overwhelmed and just be kind of stop there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I love that that is what inspires you to keep going because we truly can become so much more than we already are today. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. I hope everyone enjoyed that episode. I know I did. I just love Hannah and her sweet, sweet spirit. Also, on a side note, um, I will be now published on Google Play Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. So, look out for those within the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, so, yeah. So, more people can listen, which is super exciting. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Don't really know what else to say. Okay. Have a good week, everyone. Bye.